So, the first years we were married, my husband gave me a box of pens for Christmas. You heard me right, pens. Not even good pens. They were a pile of cheap, poorly made pens that never wrote well. And you might be thinking, why on earth would he give those to you? I have no idea. But when I opened it, you could tell he thought these were the best things since sliced bread. And he could not wait to show me that they could write upside down. I have never once found that useful. Now, I'm a writer, so I guess he thinks this is what every writer dreams about for Christmas. We don't. I have a laptop. What sucked him in was the fact that they were in a fancy box. You know those boxes that flood the stores at Christmas times to make it easy for all you last-minute Christmas Eve shoppers? You know who you are. And so that's what he gave us on one of our very first Christmases together. And would you believe 17 years later, he still does not know how to give a gift. This year, he gave me cash. What? But it's okay. I've learned to adjust my expectations a little bit. And I wonder today how many of us are like this when it comes to God. How many of us have been disappointed over and over when we've prayed and asked for things, when we've asked for help and nothing happens? Throughout Scripture, we're encouraged to pray and ask God for the things we need. And so many of us are struggling with health issues, relational issues, financial issues, and it provides the perfect reason to pray and ask for help. But when it comes to prayer so many times, it feels like we're just lobbing it out into space with the answer never to be seen or heard from again. And in a room this size, I cannot imagine that I'm the only one who feels like this on occasion. But in Jesus, is some of his most famous words, words from the Sermon on the Mount, he encourages us to ask, seek, and knock Ask, seek, and knock with a promise that we'll receive what we ask for, we'll find what we're looking for, and the door will be open to us. And so he was genuine about this invitation, and so this is what I want to look at today in hopes that it can offer us a fresh desire to pray and ask God for the things we need help with. And so let me read to you what Jesus said in the sermon. It's found in Matthew 7, 7. Verse 7, he said, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. For which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Seems like an open-ended promise, doesn't it? Sounds simple. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. But as I observed, this doesn't always happen. In fact, I would guess for most of us, this rarely happens. I remember when I was in sixth grade, my brother was in high school, and he was an amazing diver at Cedar Falls High School. And he won every competition he competed in. And he was tall and lanky, but when it came to diving, he was graceful and beautiful. 
And it was fun to see people's reactions to his dives because you could tell that they were just thinking, who is this guy? And we were at the state swimming meet his senior year, and he was doing great. He was near the lead, but the competition was fierce because he was competing against a different level of divers than he normally faced in our, comp- in our division. And then he started to fall behind in placement. And I remember my little sixth grade self praying to God, God, if you let my brother win state, I will serve you my entire life. Ever loved a prayer like that? In that moment, him winning state seemed like the most important thing in the world, so I was making a bargain with God. I will serve you if you answer my prayer. He didn't win. He, faced, he placed fifth. We were shocked and disappointed. But what I remember most about this is the long car ride home when I was so upset that, my, that God didn't answer my prayer. I was sad for my brother, but with such an offer on the table, it felt like betrayal on God's part not to give me what I asked for. And yet Jesus says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. So let me show you what I've been learning about asking, because who wants to end up being disappointed in life? First, asking always starts with grace. Asking always starts with grace. And what do I mean by that? As a kid and as an adult for a long time, I thought I provide something and then God provides something, like a business deal. I must provide something in exchange for God to love me, to answer my prayer, to fill in the blank. And so this is how I approach God, like a business arrangement. When I got a box of pins for Christmas, something you would more likely give as a corporate gift than a gift to your sweetheart, I was slightly put out. I was thinking, this man does not know me at all. I mean, how many times does one have to say, I want the coach purse I saw at Von Mauer? (laughs) Apparently more than 137 times. And when we relate to God in a non-personal way, I think it hurts him. If we just look at him like a genie to fulfill our wish or a business deal where an exchange is made, we're not giving him credit for being good, loving, and generous to us. And so we need to remember that asking always starts with grace, his grace. And we start by trusting him to be good and generous towards us. And giving some of our narratives, this can be really hard for some of us, and that's okay. But it's a necessary step to take. We need to learn to trust him and remember that asking starts with grace. Now, there's some qualifications in scripture for what we can ask for. And I put them in your bulletin notes with references. And so I encourage you, go back, look these up, and spend some time thinking about them. Because these things are really, really important. But here's the highlight reel. We need to ask in faith. We need to ask according to God's will. We need to ask without wavering. We need to ask with the right intentions, not for our own selfish reasons. And it's even okay to ask persistently, which is good news. So there is qualifications in what we can ask for. But no, there is no qualifications in us to be able to ask. We don't have to be good. We don't have to be perfect. 
Our lives can be a mess. We can come with nothing to offer. We can come with nothing to give. We simply come because we know that we will find grace. And that is why we ask. Because of Jesus, God will always respond to us in grace. And so this is what we should expect. We should expect God to treat us with grace because of who he is, not because of who we are. And this is a key element to understanding before we pray and ask God for the things we need help with. Because God's grace is always the platform to be able to ask these things. And then when we come, we need to remember that God gives good gifts. This is the second thing. God gives good gifts to his kids. This is the one of the most important lessons I've ever learned, and I constantly relearn it, and it takes it's taking a long time. Because so many times, even if we don't admit it, in the back of our head, there's this voice that says that God is out to get us or to cause us pain, or at a minimum, he just doesn't care about us individually. And let me be real honest for a minute. Sometimes we don't ask because deep, deep down, we do not believe God even cares or notices our situation. I know, I've been here. But Jesus went on to say this. He said, which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? I believe this is the profound part of Jesus' invitation on asking and receiving. It's a contrast statement. He's stating the obvious. He's saying, think about it. How many of us, when our kids or a loved one asks us for something to eat would turn around and give them something that would hurt them, like a snake or a scorpion. None of us. I hope none of us would. He's saying, neither would God. If we're evil, human or mortal, if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, then how much more exponentially does God give good gifts to those who ask of him? And more than that, he desires to give us good things. We have to combat this idea that God is indifferent to us because it is simply not true. In our heads, we might know God loves us. We've been taught it. We sing songs about it. But God's love is not intellectual because it will not combat these feelings that he's indifferent to us. God's love is something we have to experience in a deep, profound, personal way. The book of Jude encourages us to keep ourselves in the love of God. Keep ourselves in the love of God, which means it takes work. It takes work to constantly combat these ideas that God's indifferent to us and that he will be faithful to us. Now, a little over a year ago, I stood up here and I shared a personal story of heartbreak, a story of how my husband and I were childless and longing for children, and how this waiting has gone on for almost two decades. And this was not easy for me to share so publicly for the first time, because talking about it is like ripping a wound open over and over again. 
And so I want to share a small video clip of this teaching because I want you to see the depth of pain we are experiencing. As you can notice, I can barely get through this. Sometimes my broken heart feels more like an identity that my husband and I cannot escape. The first thing anybody ever wants to know is how many children we have. And it's like a banner we are forced to wear, and yet no one mentions out of politeness. It pains me to know there is no pictures of loved ones on my wall. There's no kindergarten roundup in my immediate future, and there's no colorful pictures hanging on my fridge. I experience grief when every holiday rolls around. Or when I see my husband play with our nieces and nephews and I see the longing in his eyes that rivals mine. And there's a sense of dread as I picture a long future of our older years with no celebrations of graduations or marriages or grandchildren or family Christmases in our home. And I worry that there'll be no one to take care of us in our twilight years to visit us, to take us to doctor's appointments, or help us go grocery shopping. It is easy to take something like having children or grandchildren for granted when you have them. It's an entirely different thing when you want them, and they're just out of grasp. My heart breaks each and every time I hear a young couple casually talk about future plans for kids, when for us, Daring to dream this dream is so very costly. Do you see the pain and the longing? This is our reality for a really long time. And can I take a moment to say to those, something to you in the room who know pain this deep and have experienced longing and a wound so raw And maybe the situation is different, maybe it's the same, but at this point you feel hopeless and hurting and maybe even desperate. Desperate for God to come through for you and you don't understand why he doesn't. And prayers have been said, but the waiting's endless and you're thinking, Julie, how much longer do I have to wait How many more prayers do I have to say? You're saying seek, ask, and knock. I have. How much longer? Will he ever answer me? I know. This is the part that doesn't make sense. And waiting just adds to the longing. But do not give up. Do not lose hope. In this place and in this moment, remember that God is good. He is for you and he gives good gifts to his kids. Ask him to give you the strength to go on. You are incredibly precious to him and he knows you are suffering. I felt the same way. I had to fight the thoughts in my mind that said to give up or be hopeless or that God just didn't care. I had to continually remind myself year after year after year that God would be gracious 
and faithful to us. In fact, it got to the point that every time I spoke of this heartbreak, I also spoke expectantly of God's faithfulness because I had convinced myself of his love and faithfulness to me individually. And so it would be remiss of me not to show you another part of this teaching where I publicly do it. And if I was honest, I didn't do it for the people listening that day. I did it for my own heart in the midst of sharing this pain. I knew I had to speak life and faith into that situation and remind myself of God's love and faithfulness to me individually. And so here's what I shared. Now, secondly, I have learned a thing or two about faith. I know God didn't cause this situation, nor does it cancel his promise for a family. No circumstances are more powerful than God's promises. I have learned that tough situations will not override his faithfulness to me. Rather, they make it more apparent. And what I mean by that is crisis does not limit him to act on our behalf. And while faith to the outside observer may look like a hopeless wish, the Bible says it's the title deed to the things based and promised and hoped for. Faith in God and in his promises means I already have what he wants to give me, regardless if I can see it with my eyes right now. And I feel like God's given us a few promises from his words to cling to right now. And while waiting is very hard, it does not have the power to take away hope. And hope is what keeps us going. Circumstances cannot override his promises. So while I wait, I remind myself that God has a plan, a good plan, a continual plan A for me, my husband, and a family. And this excites me. Our default is to believe, even if we don't admit it, admit it, that God is not really for us and probably doesn't care. Even me, who stands up here and shares God's love for you. It's a mindset I have to constantly combat also. But I say this to encourage you because it is never too late to start experiencing God's love in a personal way. To know at a core level that he is good and that he will be good for you individually. And so if you are currently waiting for an answer or currently waiting for him to come through for you, I want you to know that waiting cannot negate his faithfulness. It can't. It won't. Jesus says, if you, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, so does the Father in heaven. He will give good gifts to those who ask him. He's reassuring us of God's goodness. He's saying, trust me, I will never let you go. It may take time. You may have to wait. You may question why. You may be frustrated and tired. But I promise to be with you in and through this pain. And I'll see you through to the other side. And in this longing, I know how to be good to you. And I will. And after years... In years of dwelling and meditating on this truth, that is when we were able to go and ask expectantly of God, knowing he would be good for us, good to us, because of who he is. 
And then we were able to rest in the fact that the answer was coming and it was going to be good, even though the entire process was hard and exhausting. This is something I've learned through the process of waiting, trusting, hoping, praying. God is good. And it's been 15 years, but do you know what? We found out on our 17th wedding anniversary that we are expecting our first child. And I stand here this morning, 20 weeks pregnant, testifying to the fact that God gives good gifts to his kids. And there is... That's right. And there's no words for the depth of joy that has erased years of sorrow. It happened in an instant, and I marvel at the depth of God's love and faithfulness to us after years of waiting and asking. And I'm not the only one. I'm overwhelmed at the level of rejoicing so many of you have shared with us. So if you're here this morning and the waiting has been endless, please know he sees your pain, he knows your heartache, and he knows the ways you are suffering in this moment. And he promises to never let go, to never let go. He'll see you through it, so do not lose hope. Don't let the fact that this sometimes takes a long, long time to see the end dissuade you from asking, seeking, and knocking. Here's the last thing. Know what has been promised to you in Scripture. I know, this is something you've probably heard a million times from up front. Read your Bible. I've heard it my entire life too, but this has been key in my life. I cannot stress this enough. For me, it has made all the difference. Here's the deal. The prophet Hosea said, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Destroyed. Another translation says they perish in ignorance. In other words, there's many pitfalls in life we can avoid if we know God's word, have an understanding of it, and know his kind intentions toward us, and we know what to ask and expect to receive. This is what the Apostle Peter said. For me, this is the why behind knowing and understanding scripture. This has given me the reason for all the work it takes. This is what Peter said. He said, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these things, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The Bible is God's love letter to us, and he has given us very great and very precious promises, like little gifts to be opened up and enjoyed. But we'll miss out on them if we do not know what they are. So know what God has promised you. And as a church, we've even made this easy. A great starting point is signing up for the daily scriptures and have them in your email every morning. And just think, if you got these for an entire year, you would know a whole lot of promises from scripture with little short explanations to help you when you need them. It's a simple first step. If God's people are destroyed in ignorance, then the remedy is very simple. Start understanding who God is 
and what he's promised to us as he's revealed himself to be in scripture. This takes work, but this has been a key in my life. This has been the fuel for the grace to get me to the point of celebration today. And after 15 plus years, I am celebrating a promise fulfilled and I'm convinced of God's love and faithfulness and I'm convinced he'll be faithful to you as well. One thing I know is that God works upstream the minute we ask and he starts moving the pieces into place so that down the road we intersect with him at just the right time, which is hard. Because sometimes it means we wait while it feels like nothing is happening. But God's timing is perfect. And so as his children, we wait, we trust, we practice waiting in his goodness, and we wait in faith and expectant hope. Because we know God is a good, good father that gives good gifts to his kids. So if you're here this morning and this is what you're facing, I encourage you just to keep going Keep hoping, keep trusting. He will not let you down. He will be faithful. Jesus said, ask, come, seek, knock, experience how God is good and faithful. So that's my invitation for you today. Will you keep trusting him? Will you allow him to surprise you with his goodness? Will you go to him with your needs and requests? And as you do, remember, asking starts with grace. God gives good gifts. And know what has been promised to you in scripture. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us this amazing invitation to come and ask and seek and knock with the promise that we'll receive and find the answer we're looking for. God, give us the patience. Give us the patience while we wait. Help us, help us have faith as we trust you in difficult situations. Help us be expectant and hope as we come and ask these things. God, you said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Today, I pray that this has been a builder of faith that we can stand in the promises that you're good and that you desire to give us good things. God, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We get the privilege this morning of having special music by Tim and Katie, a song called You Never Let Go. So I just encourage you to sit back, listen, and reflect on this promise no matter what you're going through. God promises to never let you go. Never. You're not a distant guide. Not just a You are calm.
Pull me in close, pull me in close. 